Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Podcast. Uh, today is very excitingly the second episode in our Sleep Mini series. We still haven't decided quite how many episodes are going to be in it yet. There's going to be at least three though. We so, also uh, haven't decided how many episodes are in a mini series. No, uh, and no one's really got back to us with mm. a um, definitive answer. So if anyone knows how to actually define a mini series versus a series or a trilogy. Is it just a tri- Oh, that's really... Uh, I've just stumbled. <laughs> Maybe we're doing a sleep trilogy. That's really throwing a spanner in the works. I think I quite like the idea of doing trilogy podcasts. Do, does that mean a mini series has to be four episodes? Yeah, I think <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely does. Absolutely does. Gosh. Okay, Let's so- call people out who don't, do, don't abide by our rules. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode two of our trilogy on sleep. <laughs> Uh, before we get going and have a look at circadian rhythms and some of the things that influence them and why they're important for sleep, uh, just a couple of very quick updates. We've got a handstand workshop coming up in Bristol on the 26th of October in Sweatbox. And then also, very important date for your diary, the second instalment of the Hybrid Winter Games on the 7th of December. Uh, and then also, very importantly, the fact that I got two dates right in this podcast for, I think, the first time. They don't know that, though, because every time they've heard it, it's been correct immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but now they know that I got it right the first time. <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself. And you have to take the little wins. You do. You do. <laughs> you do. Uh, so that's the 26th of October, Handstand Workshop in Sweatbox. 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 And the 7th of December, the Hybrid Winter Games, uh, which will be like the Hybrid Summer Games, but colder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just different time of year. (laughs) The actual changing of the name, probably not relevant, but... But just so you weren't confused and thought you were coming to the Summer Games in December, we have named it the Winter Games. Exactly. We should definitely have some kind of bobsleigh event. Well, do you know what? When I was even if it's not ICU, <laughs> yeah. when I was um, probably between the sort of ages of six and ten, whenever it snowed, mm. my dad would put, tie my sled to the back of the car <laughs> and drive round the block with me inside the sled, <laughs> which was potentially one of the funniest things, funniest things I've ever done in my life. Um, so we could is have it, a. Is it that funnier than when he dangled you out of a window by a towel? Awesome. Yeah, because that, that although that was obviously very dangerous in terms of how much fun it was, yeah, it was a fairly it was no acceleration, mm. yeah, <laughs> and it's the acceleration which exhilarates you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, also, another announcement: we have finally started running full hybrid coaching uh, PT sessions at the Sweatbox. So every day we run small group personal training sessions from 5.30 in the morning. Um, And I think we have up to 27 potential sessions in a week. So if you're in Bristol and fancy training with us, then go to the website and have a look into that. 5.30 is not good for getting adequate amount of sleep though. We just have to say that. (laughs) Uh, Well, if if you go to bed on time, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's hard to go to bed on time when you get up at 4.30, though, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah. You would ideally have to be in bed at, like, 8.30. Yeah. Really, you've got to be in bed by, sort of, like, 8 for that. Yeah. In bed by 8, pitch black room. Yeah. 
then you got a good chance of getting mm. sufficient quantity. <laughs> that's hard because Tom doesn't finish coaching some nights till eight. So, yep, yep. He also, he didn't get home till quarter nine sometimes. Very hard. Oh, savage. Got to grab those naps, right? Well, I'm bad at napping sometimes. I'm quite. I never nap. <laughs> anyway, on with the podcast. Fact of the day: Tom Morgan. Okay, so. Do you know the reason that people do hair of the dog when they got a hangover? If I'm honest, uh, I think whatever the hair of the dog needs to be clarified first. <laughs> so the hair of the dog is when you drink more alcohol the next morning to try and get rid of your hangover. Wow. That sounds <laughs> like the hardest thing to do, to get rid of a hangover. But there is actually some science behind why it works. Um, so in any kind of alcoholic drink, the ethanol is obviously alcohol, but whenever whenever ethanol is produced, there's also um, things called congeners, which are methanol, acetone, other sort of um, owns. owns, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that are pro- and alls. Don't forget the alls, yeah, <laughs> which are produced, um, which your body basically when it processes it the next day turns it into formaldehyde, which is toxic. And that's part of the reason that you get a hangover. Um, uh, so having ethanol the next day is actually changes the way you process methanol. Um, so rather than turn it into formaldehyde, you actually excrete it through your breath and other other things like that. So there is actually evidence to suggest that doing that might help with a hangover. So there's actually like actually science behind it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I thought it was just because you get a bit drunk again. Yeah, yeah that probably helps as well. But <laughs> it's it's why like if people have methanol poisoning, they're given uh, ethanol to help like get rid of it. So do you need much, or would like just one shot do it? Mm, I, I've not tested it to be honest, <laughs> but <laughs> I can test it next Sunday on my stag day. <laughs> absolutely terrified about. It. I am petrified of that day. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it one iota. Do you want to be sick? Because me, I've considered getting really sick beforehand. <laughs> Giving myself actual quite severe food poisoning so I don't yep. have to go. Where can we go for that? <laughs> Just eat some partly cooked food and hope for the best. Yeah, all right, I'm in. <laughs> that sounds like a Tom, much Tom can't wait to go. Tom's such a lad. <laughs> I'd much rather get food poisoning and try and sweep it off, personally. I actually would too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. If you if you gave me two options now, I'd go. I'll take a day of food poisoning over my own stag day. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fun. No, <laughs> not not at all. I'm gonna lose sleep. I'm gonna get really hungover. <laughs> no positives will come from Sunday. <laughs> um, right then, on with the podcast. So circadian rhythms, very important. What are they, Ali? Um. I was actually going to do a fact on the lowest drinking age in Europe. Oh, let's, let's go for the fact then. Yeah, more drinking. Reckon, how old do you reckon the lowest drinking age in Europe is? 15. 13. 16. Oh. In? Italy. Italy! Correct. Hmm. Is it the same in Spain? Mm, not sure. However, moving on now. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, circadian rhythms are... What are they, did you say? Yeah. Circadian rhythms are your... Well, essentially it's your body's internal body clock. Um, and it's how your 
Actually, it's just like your body's internal body clock telling you kind of when you're awake and when you're asleep, depending on what you're, the light and dark that you're exposed to throughout the day. So it's not necessarily just uh, like wake and sleep. It controls lots of different things that are all part of um, your circadian rhythm. So circadian rhythm refers to the fact that it's just the rhythm that we sort of live by mm-hmm. over, it's not actually 24 hours, it's anything between like, 20 and 30 hours or so, so some people have a slightly longer circadian rhythm, some have a slightly shorter circadian rhythm. Um, but it also controls things like when you're hungry, uh, like when you're not hungry, so like either whether you're eating or, or fasting, um, like light and dark cycles, like you said, uh, sleepfulness, wakefulness, and whether you're sort of resting or whether you fancy being active. So it controls like lots and lots of different parts of our behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is controlled mainly by something in your hypothalamus called your super suprachiasmatic nucleus. The suprachiasmatic. Which is an, that's almost like three facts for you, basically. Mm. Such a good word. It's isn't a it? long word, isn't it? Suprachiasmatic nucleus. Yeah, he's like the uh, the chief clock. Mm. Yeah. Who who what who is like a what person is a professional time teller? <laughs> I don't know that's a job. Big, Big Ben. Big Ben. <laughs> big Ben. Your supercarbonate nucleus is basically your big, your own Big Ben. Mm-hmm. It's actually mental how many parts of your... Literally, like... So you've got this part of your brain that is essentially like your central clock, but then, like, throughout your whole body, everywhere, there are receptors that basically get told what time it is. And that's what sort of like drives you to be hungry or sleepy or alert or, um, yeah, just it's just you've got these receptors actually all over your body that um, detect the internal time that is um, that, that, that that your body's currently running at, mm-hmm. and um, and everyone's yeah. got a slightly like a, a different um, some people call it like a chronotype, like where so their their circadian rhythm runs like some people prefer being awake later or sleeping in or getting up early. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main things that influence your skating rhythm are the amount of light exposure you get um, and your, like when you go to sleep and when you wake up. So there are, so your, uh, the, your chronotype is, people are often called a, a lark or an owl. So a night owl will stay up a little bit later and wake up a little bit later. A lark will go to bed a little bit earlier and naturally rise a little bit earlier. So most people... I um, I saw, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day, there was an advert for someone running some sort of, um, it was like mm-hmm. a sleep course that you could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they were doing it in, uh, what's it called, and they do like lots and lots of short bouts of sleep. Oh, polyphasic. Polyphasic yes. sleep, um, which actually is okay if you have to do it, but not anywhere near as good as actually mm-hmm. just sleeping normally. Um, but he uh, obviously was like an ex-military type of guy. It was oh. very hard. <laughs> so he renamed Owl, because he was like, I'm an owl, or as I prefer to call it, a wolf. <laughs> 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 no need to rename it. No need. Owl was fine. Yeah. yeah. I, think, yeah. I think polyphasic sleep originally was sort of developed as a thing by the military yeah it was yeah well obviously like mm-hmm. if you're going to be sleeping like you're still better off sleeping as opposed to not sleeping but polyphasic sleep just for those of you that don't know is when you essentially stay up 
for a whole 24-hour period, but in that period, you have very short bouts of sleep, trying to keep that sleep fairly consistent. So maybe like blocks of 20 minutes every uh, 80, or blocks of 20 minutes every 100, or whatever it is. So you have like short phases of sleep all the time. But the reality is, um, that's a really, really good way of sleeping if you're going to get shot and yep. like you haven't got long to sleep. <laughs> but it's not as good by any means as a full night's worth of sleep. Like even if, even if, even when time is, um, you, you equate for time, it just, it just isn't as good. Um, although it is an excellent way of sleeping if you haven't got much time to sleep. Yeah. Um, it, just, it, it was, and it was invented by the well, not invented, but it was like the, the military thought about it as a way of ensuring that people could get sufficient quantity of sleep. Yeah. Um, sort of like best of a worst case mm -hmm, scenario. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But definitely not like a, uh, a a way of unlocking actual potential. Yeah. Well, no. that's that's probably like <clears throat> a big part of the reason it's not optimal is because of your circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. um, which essentially, like over the course of a day, kind of looks a bit like a sine curve all the uh, mathematicians out there um just in terms of sort of like wakefulness and, and sleepiness um over what um period oh over roughly 24 hours over what period of sign are we talking is uh, it sign from zero to pi or sign from zero to half pi sign from zero to two pi i'll leave you to figure that one out mate. <laughs> um tom's regretting that saying that now. <laughs> i assume from I thought a cosine curve started at cosine curve starts at zero, sine starts at uh, one, I think. No, I think cosine starts at one, sine starts at zero. But, I um, think I'm actually like, <laughs> I'm I want like the period though, so like so like what you get in uh, like a semicircle, or are you talking a semicircle plus another semicircle underneath? Uh, in which case the period would, would be two pi regardless. Two pi, I think. <laughs> always, always choose two pi over one pi. Yeah. <laughs> this is nothing to do with maths or anything. It's just that two pi sounds better than one pi. <laughs> two pi's are nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sorry, that was a sidetrack. It was very, very much sidetrack. Um, so you were talking about circadian rhythms before uh, we started talking about pies. <laughs> you are talking about... Um, Owls and Marks, okay, weren't we? We were. Yeah. What are you? Uh, I don't know, because I really like going to bed early and then also staying in bed late. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I'm still a teenager. <laughs> Teenagers actually require slightly more sleep. They do. Than any other um, age. Than any other age? Well, yeah. maybe not babies, actually. How don't you? I've never looked at really like much, 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. How, many, oh, wow. how many hours do babies uh, need? More than 10. Is it? Well, I've seen one of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're always fucking They're sleeping. sleeping all I'm the time. I'm hoping they sleep loads more than that. <laughs> and do very little screaming, I did. I've never yeah. looked at like a baby circadian rhythm or anything like that, actually. Obviously, they've just like probably never really been studied properly because it would be very hard to make a baby away. Uh, I think they don't really have a circadian rhythm. Do they not? Well, they they feed so often, don't they? I, I reckon they don't really have a proper circadian rhythm for like six, six months plus. I'd reckon oh, that's that clock isn't actually set at all, is it? They wake repeatedly through the night, sleep. They just basically sleep, shit, and eat, don't they? Yeah. Like, it keeps on the hour, so it's not a circadian rhythm. Obviously, this is a really hard question to answer, but <clears throat> do you think a large part of why 
they do not have a whether if, if they were to not have like a real scheme in them straight away part, a large part of that would be based on um the fact that they are eating throughout the night so it's really hard to actually set a circadian rhythm yeah quite possibly yeah. we'll go into that in a little bit yeah. how much eating affects your circadian rhythm it's quite a lot potentially very much a little sneak peek there sneak peek yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting i never really thought about that yeah yeah i reckon until they're like maybe up to a year or so they just don't have like a rhythm that's set do they Please don't relay any of these things as fact. <laughs> yeah. There's lo lots of speculation going on here. <laughs> Interesting speculation, nonetheless. Yeah. But your chronotype can change over the course of your life as well, can't it? Like, yeah. a lot of teenagers tend to, like, part of it's obviously like a social thing, mm -hmm. but like, stay up late, get up late. But actually, part of that is, like, as a teenager, that, like, tends yeah. to happen as well. So, well, there is, there is, like, a genetic component to it, but obviously, the things that influence it most heavily are light and dark like how much exposure you get to um to light during the day uh your like how you time your eating throughout the day potentially has quite a big impact um there's like quite a lot of research coming out now that, that actually has a bigger impact than we initially thought it might be mm. um and like social norms and stuff as well that play a huge play a huge part yeah you can <clears throat> irrelevant if you naturally are a owl or a lark, you can probably um, adjust your your like your life based around your exposure to light in the morning and exposure to less well no blue light in the evening if possible well in before you go to bed to make make it so it's a lot easier for you to have a like a um, a sleep cycle or a circadian rhythm that abides by your work schedule yeah, probably definitely. the easiest thing to so that, that's like about. fairly obvious if you think about it because otherwise we would never adjust if we mm -hmm. went anywhere where we got jet lag because yeah, jet lag is essentially your circadian rhythm being massively thrown off by a time difference mm -hmm. um, and a completely different like light dark light dark cycle um, and if your circadian rhythm was never able to adjust or be changed then you would never ever adapt to going somewhere with a time difference because yeah exactly it's more than three hours or so constantly could be waking up in the middle of the night somewhere and you you adjust over the course of like two three days to even fairly big uh like jet lag how fast do you adjust jet lag uh about one hour a day so slow isn't it pretty yeah. pretty crap yeah yeah to, to fully adjust yeah. that, your circadian rhythm can adjust about an hour a day no wonder you get so fucked and you go away for two months for like yeah. a week yeah like yeah. You don't even adjust while you're there, and then you've got to come back and you've got to reverse the whole cycle. It's like two weeks of terrible sleep. Yeah, I might never go on holiday again. <laughs> <laughs> I love sleep so much. Just stay local, mate. Yeah, it's just lots of staycations. Yeah. Just always travel along the same latitude. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going this time? Oh, just so a little bit further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is latitudes at the same time, isn't it? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah, like South Africa, I think it's the same. Yeah, yeah. South Africa, mate. Should be fine. South Africa. Yeah, safari. Yeah. <laughs> 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 mm. <clears throat> but the thing about um, I think it's like in a world where everything is set by your work times. Generally, it's so easy to fall to fall out of 
just just to stay up a little bit later and constantly um have a your like your own circadian rhythm that is just at, completely out of whack because you're staying up later yeah. um exposing yourself to like more light in the evening which is going to drive you to be awake and then you've got a set wake time in the morning so people often think that they are a let's say a night owl and they'd rather be awake later yeah. um and that the early morning alarm is like really really hard to wake up to when the reality is they're just staying up too artificially late. too late um as a habit and it's not that they actually are an, a, a, an owl they just have not set all well for future yeah, all, all, <laughs> they just haven't um like gone out of their way to set up a more lark based existence mm. just going to bed earlier yeah, doing yeah. your best to make sure that you're taking care of things like not being exposed to much blue light in the evening yeah um yeah also like devices that sort of thing so, so one way to tell if your circadian rhythm is disrupted is if you have like much more pronounced um feelings of like sleepiness and uh like alertness like much bigger dips and troughs throughout the day then that's one like really sure sign that one you're probably just sleep deprived as well but also that your circadian rhythm is thrown off it's really hard to distinguish whether it's circadian rhythm that's a little bit out of whack or you're just tired because you're not getting sufficient quantity of sleep yeah. Yeah. um i suppose it's very unlikely that you are getting sufficient quantity mm. of sleep and have a very disrupted circadian rhythm absolutely yeah. um i've never seen any studies that show like someone who is getting enough sleep, but it's entirely out of whack, whack for this kind of rhythm. So I guess, I guess if you are consistently getting enough sleep, you're, you're probably doing that also in line with really your skating rhythm. It'd be really yeah. hard to not. It'd be hard to get enough sleep out of whack with your skating rhythm. You probably yeah. wouldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, like you said earlier, light is the biggest thing that actually anchors your circadian rhythm because most people's circadian rhythm isn't even like but like it's that it's, it's not likely it's going to be bang on 24 hours so like if, if that was the case and you're not getting light exposure to kind of anchor it in or like any of the other signals that anchor it where it's like it, in that 24-hour period over time you drift anyway wouldn't you so it's yeah it, it'd be like i don't think you could actually test that it'd be very hard <clears throat> But it does mean that the take home from that is that as long as you're sort of making sure you're getting enough sleep, um, you'll probably don't have to worry too much about when it's happening. Mm. Um, especially like if you're a sort of adult in the Western world, your wake time is fairly set generally. So as long as you make sure you get enough sleep before that wake time, the likelihood is you your circadian rhythm will adjust to that sleep wake cycle anyway, mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, it actually, sort of simplifies things. Mm-hmm. Part of what um, actually causes us to sort of fall asleep in the evening is the spike in melatonin. Like mm-hmm. saying, sort of blue light can impact that if you're getting a lot of that late in the evening. Um, and that that's it's again the melatonin spike that sort of is thrown off when you you are jet lagged as well. Um, and it doesn't. Do you know melatonin doesn't have an impact on sleep itself yeah um but it's it's, it's, it starts a little cascade of what initiates it um an analogy i heard from in why we sleep by matt walker was um 
it's like the race official at uh, the start of the race. So he kind of ushers everyone, all the runners to the start line and uh, like does the gun to start the race. Mm. But obviously like he's not actually taking part in what the race, which is sleep. I think that's a terrible analogy. Mm. You think? I don't think you should ever think of sleep like a race. <laughs> I never go to bed. Right, go! Also, it's a terrible way to make sure you get a nice night's sleep. Fire a fucking gun. Off you go. Bang! Have you had a gun of melatonin fired at you, though? But that's why um, with melatonin, you're always, if you're ever going to use it, um, like use it as a supplement. Which we'll talk about next podcast. Yeah. You never, you never need to take a high dose of it. It will only make you more tired the next day. Like large doses are just like completely useless because all you need is a, it's like an on-off switch. Once you've had in a, a, a sufficient the amount, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you either had, get shot or you don't. Mate. Once you've had a sufficient quantity for that guy to fire a really, really dramatic gun, uh, he's only got to do it once, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to run that race fast if he fires it a second time. <laughs> Maybe it is a good one. Maybe it does work. Sleep is not a race. Yeah. Um, I'd bring it if it was. <laughs> yeah. I could eat it fall asleep. I'm so good. As long as I'm not in a room with either of you, I'm pretty solid at it. Never. If you want to do anything for your sleep quality, don't ever share a room with Tom or Ali. Especially Ali, I uh, think. Danny says I don't store anymore. Danny's a liar. How <laughs> about <laughs> 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 nasal breath? Nasal breath. I think it's because we're both so excellent at falling asleep as well. Like, Di just doesn't have a chance. He's a bit yeah. of a sleep princess at the best yeah. of times, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I once I, I, I once challenged myself for a week to be able to count to twenty deep breaths before I went to sleep, and I didn't win once. You didn't do it. <laughs> oh, that's I'd was... probably get to hundred. Well, I'd probably, I'd probably lose count, but yeah. Honestly, I tried like maybe like four or five seconds in, not cows in, in and out. Yeah. And I, every time I got to about seven, and then I was don't yeah. remember getting any higher. Getting past ten is hard, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what I can do. I'll lose count, but I don't think I'll go to sleep. Hmm. You actually go to sleep? Well, I don't. I'm not awake afterwards. I might I might lose count around seven and then be awake for another hour. But I, I don't think that's happening. Do you, do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it might be that I lose count and I'm just like daydreaming for ages. I don't think your time dilation would be that bad. That's why I, I, yeah. I, I think that's true. I've fallen asleep while talking before. Yeah, I've done that before. I've also listened to people. Yeah. <laughs> I often drift off while I'm reading my Kindle, um, which is why where the one reason Kindles are not as good as books is books are quite soft. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if you're lying in bed holding your Kindle and you fall asleep and you twat yourself in the face, that hurts quite badly. That's some solid practical advice, that is. Yeah. If you're going to hold it above your face, use a book. <laughs> Kindle's much better for lying on your side there mm. uh, so we sort of briefly touched on uh, like light cycles and stuff um, a deck you're going full depth into that full depth into light yeah I think we do oh light light's a good one isn't it mm. um, we've mentioned it a few times now and it is probably the, the one of the biggest factors um, that sort of like Tom, Tom said it's almost like anchors your skating with them um, and also is one that is quite hard to sort out naturally potentially very hard um especially like now coming into the winter 
Um, and if you ha have to, like, so so this is one where, like, we're a perfect example. I have to get up at five every morning um, for work. It's really dark for, like, two and a half hours now after that. Um, so that's a really hard way to anchor your security mood if you're getting up in the dark and it's not light. Mm -hmm. But, like, um, it's people often forget how, well, I say people, um, it's often, most people now know that, probably using your phone late at night isn't a good idea. Like people actually, like, like it's, it's, it's quite hard to like, to not know that by now, but not a lot of people do know how important it is to be exposed to bright white light in the day. And you even see people walking around during the day yeah. with blue light blockers on. So they'll wear glasses that block blue light at, at a part of the day where you want to be getting as much exposure to as much it's just light. Tickling it. It's just sort of managed to filter through that like blue light in the evening is bad and we don't really want that because it sort of impairs our sleep. And then the message that actually gets through is, oh, blue light is black, is bad mm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Never have blue light. I saw a video of um, someone and they were like talking in the morning about how like habits for health and they were wearing blue light blockers It's in the morning. Like it's the, it's, <laughs> Such a terrible idea. There's one um, I watched uh, one kid wore blue light blockers all day <laughs> for two weeks and was like severely ill, like really ill, like yeah. everything would just be fucked. It'd Basically, be... artificially give yourself seasonal affective disorder, mm. don't you? Well, but also you just absolutely ruin your circadian rhythm because the only thing. Um, that can actually detect light is your eye. So you're in in your eye. You've got um, basically a like a region that detects how that detects light and how bright that light is. And the brighter that light, the more it tells um, like certain parts of your brain to essentially be on and play at like a if it's loads and loads of light, like be on and be really, 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 really active. Sends a signal to the uh, suprachiasmatic nucleus, doesn't it? It does indeed. <laughs> and then when that when that um, that really, really high intensity like dips right down, um, that's the signal. Okay, now we're going to start doing those things like release melatonin, um, start initiating the onset of sleep. So if you wear blue light blockers all day, you're literally getting a signal to be asleep the whole time and you're never getting another signal to be awake and to actually like to like to do all the things that you want to do when you're awake and it's just phenomenal people f just think that one thing like blue light is excellent so important just not a good idea before you go to sleep just like literally like an hour to two hours before mm -hmm. bed, then we hate it yeah awful thing then but in the morning so like um, you absolutely want to have as much exposure to high intensity bright white light as you can. And just to give you some examples, like the, the, the light in your house is probably somewhere in the region of a hundred thousand a thousand lux, whereas the light from the sun in, on a, on a, on a bright day is probably around a hundred thousand lux. So you've got like such an enormous difference there that if you're only exposed to light from the from the like in the office. That's all you're exposed to all day. Like oh. you don't sit by a window, or maybe it's really grey outside. Then you've not been exposed to any high intensity blue light all day. And like Tom said, your circadian rhythm will never actually be anchored in the morning. And as a result, 
of that, you will actually struggle to sleep properly in the evening because you would have been getting sent the signal to sleep basically all day, never that it was bright. You never get sent the signal that it's day by high, high, high intensity white light. You only get sent the signal that it's um, basically time to sleep, but all day. And when it actually comes to sleep, that shift in light uh, doesn't really happen because you're still getting close to the same low intensity light. So you just will, you may well struggle to sleep in the evening. And so during the winter, and um, you see this happens so frequently um, in countries where there's not much sun um, and it's and it's pretty um, grey outside a lot of the time. You get up in the morning, it's dark, you drive to work, it's grey, you get into the office, you don't sit by a window, you have a normal light on in the office. Um, you drive home in the evening, it's dark again. And so at no point in the day have you ever anchored that, that, that circadian rhythm. And as a result of that, um, you have, there's actually a lot of negative health implications and even um, a uh, depression disorder called um, seasonal affective disorder, which essentially makes you pretty sad as a result of winter. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, it's SCD. called sad. Mm. Don't want to be sad. You don't want to be sad. So no. don't wear blue light blockers yeah. <laughs> until, it, until it's like an hour before your yeah. bedtime. And if that's you, wake up in the morning and it's dark outside, go to work and you're just in a normal office, get back in the car, drive home in the dark, buy yourself a sad lamp. Like they're about 20 to 50 quid. So, and it will make a massive difference to your life, like honestly. Yeah, we're going to round up because we've, we've talked about a lot of different things we'd actually recommend mm -hmm. like practically. So that we're going to round all of those up in, um, in the last episode of the trilogy. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna like sort of round up all these things we've mentioned like melatonin supplementation uh, blue light blockers sad lamps like light therapy all these things that you can do to um like practically try and make a difference to improving your sleep um but for now sort of carrying on with circadian rhythm uh what's sleep pressure Bob? so sleep pressure is the other main driver that we get um that causes kind of drowsiness uh, and causes us to want to fall asleep, basically. Um, so, I of course, quite a lot of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, basically, any time that you're awake, obviously your brain needs energy. And but as a byproduct of producing energy, we also produce waste products. Um, the main one uh, that we're going to talk about today is adenosine, um, which is adenosine triphosphate is ATP. It's what we create energy from. Um, but basically when it's broken, broken right down, that's what's left. Um, Get one molecule of it left. Yep, one work. floating about. Um, so basically all the time you're awake, that's building up and building up and building up in your brain. Uh, and then there's receptors in the brain, which the free adenosine binds to. And basically the more adenosine you've got sort of on those receptors, the more kind of tired and drowsy you're going to feel and the less kind of awake you're going to feel as well. Um, so yeah that's that's basically like over the course of the day it's why when we get to like evening time as a general so we've got like circadian rhythm but we've also got this massive amount of sleep pressure that's built up through the day yeah that makes you feel quite tired what's one of the main things that affects that caffeine great <laughs> i love caffeine yeah caffeine's great isn't it yeah. so uh how does caffeine actually work that like plays a role in affecting sleep pressure adenosine uptake so basically what caffeine does um in the brain it binds to those adenosine receptors <gasps> it steals yeah. them from the adenosine it does 
it does, which basically means that the adenosine can't bind to them. Um, so you don't get those feelings of um, sort of tiredness or like like that kind of energy slump. Um, but what it does also do is it means that if you have caffeine in your system when you go to sleep, you not it's not only harder to get to sleep, but you also get um, worse quality of sleep because one of the main sort of functions that sleep um, does for us is obviously clearing all the waste products out. So when we sleep, we get rid of all this adenosine. Uh, and if you've got caffeine present, you're more likely to kind of, you, it's a lot harder to kind of clear that. Mm. Um, but that's that's also another reason you why- You wake up still feeling really crap and groggy. Yeah, pretty much. And also um, just like in terms of quantity of sleep, obviously if, if you don't get in, in enough quantity of sleep, you're still gonna have adenosine in the morning. Um, so you can basically build up like an adenosine debt. So you like- That's you right, have... I just drink more coffee, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so that's basically how adenosine and caffeine works. Pretty savage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's brutal, really. You've got, um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't just want to repeat what you just said, to be fair. I think the only thing I didn't say is um, the half-life of caffeine mm. is roughly six hours. So even having it like, well, if, if it's us, for example, trying to get to bed for nine o'clock-ish and get, try and get a full, full like block of sleep. Yeah. Don't want to be definitely don't want to be having any caffeine after three o'clock. Nope. Otherwise, it's still going to be a really mm. solid dose of caffeine. Yeah. Even three is like quite late. Like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's always the later side of it. Half life's um, obviously like all all, all a half life means is, let's say you had a hundred milligrams of caffeine at twelve o'clock, at six o'clock, that means there's still five uh, fifty milligrams of caffeine in an orange system. Um, in in <laughs> I hate when things are around my system. Um, in and around, um, and so like, if you were to say, "Oh, I don't want to have a coffee at twelve um, so before I go to bed, but I'm happy to have half a coffee," uh, then it makes so you, you should. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, right? So you should consider that even though the half life is six hours, if you aren't willing to have half a shot of coffee. And then go to sleep. Um, you should probably consider six hours is before bedtime is probably still too long, yeah. uh, too short like an amount of time. Um, especially if you're quite a habitual caffeine drinker and you drink quite a lot of it. Yeah, like me. Mm. <laughs> and like you also have to consider like pre-workouts, coke. Yeah, yeah, smoke. Lots of stuff. Mm. It's really hard not to drink it after 12, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so savage. Yeah, it's very difficult. Uh, any other points? And a pretty no. solid roundup. Um, if we do say so ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's why we why we go to sleep, isn't it? Uh, did you much. mention about how um, sleep pressure building quite a bit of day doesn't actually make you more tired? At the time, uh, mm. it didn't I'm pretty sure you said it did make you more tired. Uh, it doesn't. Oh. It, 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 it's, it's not like a. Um, it's not um, cumulative. It's, it's 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 like discrete. Okay. That's why you don't just feel more tired all day. Yeah. It's not like you wake up in the morning and then all day you're just gradually getting more and more and more and more tired till the evening. You actually wake up in the morning and you're probably quite uh, asleep. Yeah. Then you're fairly alert for a little bit and then actually you get a dip in energy because of your circadian rhythm um, mm -hmm. sort of like dips a little bit in the day for energy wise um, and then it's sort of like is 
you're kind of like alert again. And then there's like a discrete um, part in the evening when sleep pressure is really, really high, and that's what triggers the onset, and that's what makes you a bit sleepy. Uh, it's not um, cumulative. It is like a discrete variable. Uh, so is that why caffeine can affect it so much, in that if it's blocking adenosine uptake, it, it almost just doesn't, oh, doesn't tip that point and kick in at all? Maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't know, to be fair. Because um, sleep pressure isn't, um, isn't it's, it's not just... Um, there's loads of adenosine in the brain. There's lots of other ways to put it as well, which, which, which drives sleep pressure. Because you've also got, um, and then the, the inverse happens in when you're asleep, weight pressure builds as you're asleep. And that's what actually wakes you up in the morning. Huh. Uh, that does bring me up Again, to one it's other discreet thing. because like, otherwise you'd just be getting less and less and less and less tired, tired all yeah. night, which doesn't really yeah. happen. You yeah. get to a point where you are less tired and, that's, and then you're awake. Yeah. So it's worth talking about as well. Actually, you did mention. Um, the fact that you actually do a natural circadian rhythm has a, a sort of lull mm-hmm. um, in like early afternoon generally yeah. for most people. Um, so we'll sort of mention this again on next week with the practical take homes. But if you are like if you do really struggle to get a really solid block of sleep or like a full length block of sleep um, in the evening, the best way to actually catch up on that is with, with naps, not mm-hmm. necessarily like trying to make up for it on any one day. Um, so actually, like trying to catch up your sleep on a weekend isn't necessarily the best idea because it throws off your circadian rhythm. The fact that you like sleep in for a few hours on the weekend actually makes it really hard then to set a circadian rhythm. It does. Um, so you're actually better off catching up with naps. Mm-hmm. Like it's a re- it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because like practically, I would re- I really struggle to tell people don't sleep in on the weekend mm-hmm. because actually ca- getting more sleep is almost certainly a good idea. Whether you can make up for the bad amount of sleep you had in the week is a you know, probably not, but having more sleep is almost certainly a good idea. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean that that has been shown. However, if you, I mean, and so, but, but I suppose that that's if you're looking at it acutely, if yeah. you are willing to look sort of like longitudinally and, and and go, okay, maybe always catching up on the weekend by two or three hours isn't really serving me very well in the long run. Yeah. I'm going to try and make a bit of an adjustment in the week, and that's a re- and get some more naps and stuff is a really good idea. If it's just like you've had a bad week. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. I, I would definitely then don't try and like set an early alarm on the weekend. You can probably actually catch up a little bit. You can use extra sleep time as a tool to allow you to have less time in bed at other times if it's not something that's chronic. Yeah. Um, Again, the thing is, if you if you if you are sleeping enough, your circadian rhythm isn't out of whack. True. You're probably going to wake up at the same time on the on the weekend anyway. Like yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that you actually one of, the, one of the best ways to know if your circadian rhythm is is working and you're getting enough sleep is that you actually wake up about five minutes before your alarm most yeah. days. Mm. Um, so again, all these things are like you said. If it's an acute thing, you've had a really bad week, definitely stay in bed a little bit yeah. longer. It's if you're habitually like undersleeping in the during the week, mm-hmm. come the weekend you've got a sleep there of three four hours that you're trying to make up by staying in bed till ten on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, there's actually a couple of studies on sleep debt actually uh, and how bad just that the just sleep debt in and of itself can mm-hmm. be um, like long term health outcomes. Yeah, yeah, really, really bad. Um, but yeah, obviously if it's just that you've had a bad week, stay in bed. Mm-hmm. And also when it comes to like your natural sort of like slumping energy in the middle of the afternoon or early afternoon as a lot of your skin rhythm, um, this is like a time when people often so when you eat food, if you eat a sufficient like quantity of food you get what's known as postprandial somnolence which is essentially just like latin for post eating tiredness um 
And so people like you were like, oh, I can't deal with carbohydrate at lunch. And I'll have some carbs at lunch. And I'll have like a, not a small amount of calories. Let's say they have like a 800 calorie lunch by the time they've had some, um, like a bit of chocolate, their actual lunch, and some bread. Um, and as a result of that, they, they get a little bit of postprandial somnolence at the same time that they get their natural dip in um, energy from their circadian rhythm anyway. And you feel really, really tired. And, you, and people always are like, oh, you know, like, um, I don't know if this agrees with me. or And it's just like, well, actually, you just had quite a large quantity of food at a time when you're going to feel tired anyway. So that's what's going to, you're going to feel really, really tired. And that's, if, that's, if that happens to you um, regularly, after your lunch, you get a massive dip. Maybe just have your lunch an hour earlier or an hour later. You're going to get that dip in energy anyway. And you're probably not hungry in that dip in energy. You just fucking want to go to bed. And if you're sitting at, at, the, at, at the desk doing work, um, it's going to make you feel so tired. So, like, potentially you can look to, I mean, it's not as practical for everyone because everyone's got different times when they can take their, have their lunch. But if that's um, you and you know that after you eat, you get a massive dip in energy, it might actually just be worth looking at delaying or um, bringing that lunch through a little bit later and seeing if that natural dip in energy happens anyway. Um, and whether you can sort of, like, do your best to not feel quite so dead. Sure. Or just have a, a smaller quantity of food um, in, in terms of total energy, total calories, and it will also have a positive impact on how tired you don't feel. Yeah. And so, two lunches are always about the one, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that's pretty much everything for this week. Next week, in the final part of the trilogy, <laughs> we're going to round up uh, sleep and why it's so important and mainly go over some of the practical things you can do like the things you actually want to really really focus on um so we said last week sleep is really important for your long-term health it's not something that we can really Mm -hmm. like afford to just not think about um and uh but it is important to recognize that there's only so much people can do as well sometimes so next week we're going to go over some like the things you really do want to focus on and some of the most practical things that you can do to uh improve your try and get more sleep and to improve the quality of your sleep but if we just round up circadian rhythm and why that's important to think about as well so light and dark cycles are essential for anchoring your circadian rhythm so we'll mention it again next week but getting a really solid dose of very very bright light as, as early on in the day as possible when you wake up is a really really good idea so getting a sad lamp might be clever and equally then being exposed to bright light in the evening is probably a terrible idea so try not to be exposed to light um, about an hour before bed. Mm-hmm. Probably really smart. So maybe yeah. get Flux installed or on your laptop or phone yeah. or get some blue light blockers. Definitely get Flux installed. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can turn it, the light coming out of your laptop down so, 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 so red um, that you can literally just like watch anything and fall asleep so, so easily. Um, and maybe if then as well, just before we go through next week, try and try and like notice if you think you are particularly out of whack with your circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like, are you really struggling to wake up? Do you need an alarm every morning? Um, and do you get really, really big uh, like dips and slumps throughout the day? Probably mm-hmm. quite a good way of sh- yeah, definitely. seeing if you are already out of whack with your circadian rhythm. And, and also, then next week we'll tell you the tips. Right? And also, uh, we didn't really delve into this, but really really good idea to not eat during the night mm, yeah. <laughs> don't eat during the night uh 
I mean, obviously, and even if you're a shift worker, I mean, we haven't really delved into much about shift workers, to be fair, which we could have done. Just probably mention that next week. But do your absolute best to not eat during the night. So have like a large dinner, um, and then when it's soon as dark, just just try and. I know, I know, it would be so so hard. I personally would fail every single night. Yeah. I actually would, but there's so much really, really, so much really, 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 really good evidence that. It's so hard to even tell whether shift workers um, are like at higher risk of developing diabetes, having much, much worse glucose control, um, and just generally being a lot less healthy. Um, it's, 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 it's even so hard to tell if that's as a result of them just eating through the night or not getting sleep through the night. It's like, like, like so, so it's really, really hard to tease apart those differences. Yeah. So. Stay tuned for our roundup and practical take-homes. The final episode of the trilogy next week. The trilogy. Sleep. <laughs> Sleep. Practicalities. Sleep the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, guys. Oh, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks and for listening. Please, oh, yeah, please, please, please um, share share us around your socials if you can, and like us. Not like us. Um, you can like us as well, but um, leave us a review. Yeah. Star review because they're really important. Everyone says, but also thank you to everyone who ha- does share us every week. Um, Kayla, you're a boss. Who else is a boss? Uh, all our girlfriends, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Beck. Beck, Beck, you're, her, you're a hero. Mm. Um, honestly, it, it does yeah, mean so just much. Everyone who shares, really, 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 um, does mean a lot. So, thank you, yeah, thank you. Um, and well, if you do share us, we'll make a note of it so we'll actually name you next week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Bye bye.